The show with scores, interviews, the hottest topics, and the biggest sports stories of the day. It's the show where you'll hear from the players that make the plays, as well as the key coaches and personnel who make it happen. All of this and live phone calls from you, the Sports King Nation. Now, direct from his castle, located in an undisclosed location in the capital city of Richmond, Virginia, let's welcome to the throne, His Highness, Jamie King, the Sports King. Sandman in the background, Huey, not Huey Lewis, but the other Huey, as or just Lewis. That's right. Lewis, does he go by another name? I don't know. You have to ask him. Lewis, well, do you go by another name? Here's the deal. He says Sweet Lou on Bob Black Show. Well, I can't. I can't. We're, do we're that. not talking about that stuff. Yeah, we're we're talking about the premiere edition here. That, I got, this I got is where one, Jamie. now. I got one. What do you got? Lemon Pepper Lou. Lemon Pepper Lou. Yeah, you have to. Sweet Lou. You have to Google that. Lemon Pepper Lou. Now, Sweet Lou, something that Lemon was given Pepper to Lou. him by the ladies or himself for his jump shot. What's the situation? Take a trip to Magic City in, in Atlanta, Georgia. And ask about the uh, lemon pepper wings, and you'll get your answer. Okay, so we got the lemon pepper wings for Sweet Lou. But how did Sweet Lou get to be sweet? Was that dubbed <laughs> and given to him by the ladies? or He's a because... basketball player. Maybe it's his jump shot. Ah, okay, so Lou was a baller. Yeah. Got it. Okay. But I, I, like, I like lemon pepper Lou. That's what we're going to Lemon with. Pepper Lou. Yeah. I, I I prefer Sweet Lou because oh. of that jumper. I can't I can't say sweet anything. Okay. Unless unless, unless it's like boxing, sweet pea. I'll give I'll give him that. He earned that. Okay. Like. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Folks, welcome to the show of shows. Here we go on this Thursday, December 14th, and Christmas right around the corner. We are excited to be with you. Today and every day, and of course, last night, some major news in the world of the NBA. Giannis had a 64, count him, 64-point night. This guy, the Greek freak, he gets it done. And uh, just spectacular player. Love seeing him play. He gives you all he has. He gets to the basket. He's able to lead this team and do great things for them. 64 points. After the game, though, a little bit of a... Dust up, if you would. Uh, Giannis, I guess, was trying to get the basketball. Somebody's trying to get the basketball for him. Is one of those nights you want to take the ball with you. And a little bit of dust up, Alan. Do you know anything about this situation? Yeah, I mean, he's right. You know, typically when this is a historic night, and, and last night for him was a historic night uh, for the Bucks organization and for him personally, um, you get the basketball. Like, I think that's common. Like, they get the ball to you. It's not a big deal. But for some reason, the Pacers... 
wanted to give the, <laughs> according to Rick Carlisle, they wanted to give the ball to Ashibwe, uh, their rookie, uh, because he scored his first points. And yeah, I'm with Giannis, man. Mm. <laughs> I'm with Giannis on this one. Ashibwe, who many, I guess, outside of family and friends couldn't pick out of a lineup. Uh, now, now, hold on. Now, he was he was at one point uh, player of the year in college. So I wouldn't say he's a he's an unknown. But NBA wise, this was not the time. Right, uh, two points versus sixty four. I think sixty four is the one that gets the. I don't know. You know, it's like a first hit in baseball. You want to get the young man. Who was it? Uh, uh, Pete Alonso last year. Remember during the game, the young rookie hit his first base hit, and it came into Pete Alonso in the infield, and he threw it up in the stands for the fans, and they're like, "Wait a minute, man!" It got some people upset because he gave the young man's first ever base hit. He said, hey, I felt really bad about it, but I didn't think about it, and that's what happened. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a jerk move. And to Rick Carlisle's non-defense, Sheboy actually scored a point December 9th against the Lakers, so this is his second point he scored all season. So I don't understand what he's talking about. Plus, the Pacers were on the road. What is this? Uh, you know, there's guys out there that, you know, somewhat misguided, like Allen, uh, my outstanding producer who is on Team LeBron, and, and nothing is LeBron. He's had a great, illustrious career. <laughs> as you smile but it's uh, not true i'm not team lebron i'm well, just team you got to respect the guy for what I he's respect done respect lebron I, I saw one of his first games in high school in terms of all-star games at the mcdonald's class he was spectacular still is and i credit him for all he's done however the baloney that i saw with this mid-season tournament and everybody jumping up and down like they've won something the average and rabid even uh, sports fan, uh, okay, maybe the tournament was there to make extra money, but how anybody could jump up and down excitement and have champagne showers, yeah, the 500000 per player, that's a nice little kicker, but, man, it's like a president's trophy in hockey. Come on. It's nice to have, but uh, nobody's putting any stock in it. And as I said, it's not something to jump up and down. I know they're trying to get more excitement in the game that, I think, to me, in the average sports fan, I don't know if that really rang true, that uh, midseason tournament. They tried to make it something. I think it was much to do about nothing. Your thoughts, Alan? Yeah, see, we're on the same team here, Jamie. You you, okay. mis, you misjudge me. I think I personally thought celebrating with champagne was ridiculous. I am appalled that I'm hearing stories that they're going to raise a banner for this. Like, Ugh. no way, man. No way. And, uh. and I know people might not agree, but but no, man. Like, LeBron, the Lakers, as as a collaborative entity, should be held to a higher standard than to go that far. Now, for the guys Ooh. who made their extra money, sure. But this is you're the most historic NBA franchise. Uh, well, one B because the, yeah. the Celtics. Like you, you, you can't do this. You can't. You can't do this. And people were joking that uh, you know LeBron has something more than Michael Jordan because he only. Won regular titles and no midseason, but I'm sure MJ's sleeping well at night, not worried about this. And folks, you know, we can go back and forth. There are different eras, but I'm going to tell you, I've interviewed Michael Jordan. I've sat with him. I've watched him up close and uh, on many occasions. And, and let me just say this, uh, you know, I will always say, and I was a huge Larry Bird fan, still am uh, to this day, one of the greatest pure shooters ever to play the game. Michael Jordan, the Bobby Knights of the world and the different coaches of the world out there talk about him. It begins and ends with him. This guy and what he did. And what I loved in the dance, the last dance uh, 
the great story about the team. And I know some people didn't like the way certain players were portrayed, but as he said, uh, certain guys came on the team after we won all these titles and were like, hey, I'm part of a championship team. And he's like, no, you're not. He said, you're coming in here from uh, ground zero. you got to win this again. This is not an easy thing. He said, so I was tough on people. I demanded more from my teammates, and we got it. But I couldn't let people just come in with a laissez-faire attitude and say we're just part of the bill, the Bulls and we're going to get it done. So Jordan's drive, his determination, and his legendary performance night after night. One of the funnier stories ever was that time when uh, Dennis Rodman, during the Last Dance series, went to Phil Jackson and said he needed some time off. He needed to go to Vegas and, and have some time to himself to re-energize. Then Jordan goes into Phil Jackson's office and said, Listen, man, if anybody needs a break, it's me. And I'm not asking for one. So why the hell is Dennis Rodman asking for one? So uh, he told Phil Jackson, what you've done now by letting him go to Vegas, he said, i got to go get him. He said, because you don't understand this guy. He's not coming back. And so he actually went and got him and brought him back. So, uh, yeah, a a guy that uh, just gave you everything at all times, kind of like the Pete Rose era when Pete Rose was that guy that never, even in practice, even in – uh, you know, hitting before a game, whatever it was, Pete Rose always went all out all the time because certain guys like the Ted Williamses and the, you know, the Babe Ruths and the Joe DiMaggio's and all the great players, uh, you know, the Hank Aaron's, all those guys, when you saw them practice and you, Willie Mays, you saw them play, you're like, eh, I'm seeing something special today versus some guys that said, you know what, it's a Tuesday night, you know, I'm not really into it. It's not a big national broadcast. I'm going to just throw it out there versus every time you step on the field make it your signature, like Kobe in the Mamba mentality. He said, look, why do you play, Kobe? Your knees are swollen. Why do you play? Uh, Why are you going out there tonight when you could take load management night and just relax and not play? And he'd always say, because it's the first time maybe somebody has an opportunity to see me and I'm not letting anybody down. And when they leave here, I want them to feel like they saw something special. Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul, was a guy that got it, a throwback to yesteryear, a guy that valued fans and valued people and uh, people that came to see him and pay hard-earned dollars. He wanted to give them the best, and the mob always did. So that is one of the reasons I always loved Kobe Bryant. When I heard that, he he had me forever because I was like, he gets it. He's not taking anything off in it. Alan, you know, many of these guys, uh, you know, they, they bend their wrists the wrong way or, or – have a hangnail, and they're going to be out for two weeks. You get what I'm saying. Not saying the league is soft now, but uh, no, no, no. The league is Charmin kind of soft. Sh- Charmin should be their main sponsor. I'm, I'm I mean, sorry the, about that. anybody saying the league's not kind of soft is is lying to themselves. Right. But also, in the same breath, anybody that thinks 80s, 90s basketball, where you're just clubbing people upside the head when they're going down the lane, is real basketball, is lying to themselves. And well, this is where. This is where I fall into the trap of being that middle uh, level because I was born in 85. So right. I, I grew up seeing the tail end of the 80s and then the 90s era, and now I'm living through this new era. So I can I can see both sides of the argument, but we need to we need to be realistic that we quantify greatness differently in each era. That's why we always have these arguments. What we thought was great during Jordan's era is not what we think is great during LeBron's era. So you can't compare right. the two for real. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, the 80s, 
Uh, you know, Jordan went to the basket. Bird went to the basket. I mean, these guys, they're getting the hell beat out of them night after night. And it was ridiculous. Back in the days <laughs> with, the, with the then Washington Bullets, with Jeff Ruland and Rick Mahorn, these guys literally, folks, would beat the living hell out of you night after night. And you may win a ball game, but down low, physically, you need a, an ice tub and then some for a week after playing these guys because try running into a pick – with Rick Mahorn or Ruland, and you know, night after night, they were going to bang you down low. You got that rebound, you earned it. Uh, Charles Oakley, guys that really laid uh, laid it into the the opposition with picks and things like that. They were picks, and then there were picks, and those guys were just a great breed of player. Anyway, uh, we want to let you know, phone lines open, 804-327-0888. We're going to switch over to the NFL. And, of course, uh, we got another Thursday nighter tonight to talk about on Prime Video. Starts at 8.15. The Chargers and Brandon Staley, the clock has to be ticking on his 5-8 and eight career here this year, 3-3 three and three away. And he always says the same thing after every game. You know, hey, we're doing great. We're moving uh, things forward. The needle's moving. We're doing this. We're doing that. But, folks, you know, you can't uh, hide the fact that this team is underachieving and has been. Five and eight, three and three away. And, of course, uh, we know Chris Beatty, the former North Stafford coach, is the wide receiver coach for this team. We wish him the very best. He's done a great job with those receivers. But Staley, by and large, has fallen short. He has to be on the choppy block, Allen. We talk about it time and time again. Now he's lost his quarterback, and you've got the talented, uh, all-pro, yuck-yuck, Easton Stick under center. I know that's exciting you tonight in this game. For the Chargers, Easton Stick is your starter, and he's going to go up against, of course, the Raiders. And uh, the Raiders tonight at home, 5-8, and 4-3 and three at home. I like the Raiders in this spot. They're favored by three. Give me, of course, uh, the Raiders, the over-under 34-and-a-half. Your thoughts on tonight's Thursday nighter in a game that uh, the Raiders really need. Uh, Chargers do, too. It's a battle of who needs it more. I just don't think Easton Stick is the answer for the Chargers. Yes, he has some athleticism. Aiden O'Connell's my pick tonight with the Raiders. I'm riding with the silver and black. Your thoughts? Uh, Easton Stick has a... a- Awesome name. I'm still sticking with that, man. <laughs> no pun intended. Awesome Easton name. Stick. So e- you're... Easton Stick is, is a hilarious name. He should market that. Okay, so you're pushing in your chips to the center oh, no, of the table. Oh, no, no, I'm not. I was just, just oh. making an observation. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. wait. You, you're professing your love for Easton Stick. No, I Folks, we got a, this recorded now. It's a hilarious name, man. We, we have well, a lot of marketable backups in the league right now. It's pretty funny. Funny is funny, but now in talking to folks about their hard-earned cash, what are you doing there? Do you love him that much? No. And professing no. your love for East. Oh, oh, okay, so this is a love of a name. Yeah. You know, I love a lot of names, too. You know, <laughs> Celine, uh, Beyonce, beautiful names, but are you pushing all? Well, you may push all in yeah, I mean, there, but uh, what I'm saying here on this side of the fence, East and Stick, uh, you got your pile of money. Is it going to the center of the table it, it when can't. East and Stick? No, it can't. Okay, so maybe Isn't not. Isn't Keenan Allen out too? Maybe. Yeah. But everybody practically on that team's out. So the question remains: Are you wagering tonight on the black and silver, or silver I, and black, as it would? Yeah, I will wager on the Raiders, and I will counter you and say that the Chargers are not in need of a win. They need to lose, actually. Okay. They need to just go ahead and invest just in some it. draft stock. Get rid of the coach and tank it. The yeah. rest of, 
See, the Chargers are in that middle ground area. They always worry about the Commanders, uh, you know, seven, eight win area. When you get to that point and you go up to 16, 17, 18 in the draft, you get a player that could be just a guy. You get a player that could be a guy that maybe help you. You don't know what you're going to get, but your chances of getting that difference maker that can really turn your organization around dwindles with each win. So they're in that real hinterland you don't know if they're in you don't know if they're out you don't know where they're at but wins right now you wonder if somebody can backdoor their way in the playoffs on a wild card situation so hear me out jamie i have a i have a philosophy a draft philosophy if okay. i'm in the 15 to 20 range and last year i was barely 500 and i didn't necessarily wow anybody i think that's a prime trade down spot and you double your stock on picks. You just get more picks. The Patriots used to do that back in the day when they were in their peak. They rarely used those first-round picks. They just trade down. Um, obviously, they were in the, the bottom third of it. But those teams that are in that middle of the road, like like you're the Steelers. You went 8-8-1 eight, eight and one last year. You don't need to use that pick, man. You need more draft picks, not a pick. Because one pick at that range isn't necessarily going to change your team unless it's a veteran. So in that case, you should either trade for veteran or trade down, get more draft capital. Right. I mean, that's great, but you have to find a dance partner. If you don't find a dance partner that sees the value, they're not going to dance with you, and then you lose that, and you end up with a middle-of-the-round pick that you don't maybe want. I've watched the, the Eagles finesse everybody for the last three years when it comes to trades. I watched the Texans uh, trade their their pick away for a guy, that, Will Anderson, that they probably could have got uh, in, in the same spot that they were in, but they traded back up. And God forbid we watched the Panthers make one of the silliest trades of all time. Like So there's dance partners out there. I think people need to drop their egos and realize that, you know, you got to give to get. That That's the business. You got to give to get. All right. You got to give to get. There we go. We're giving until we can't give any more. More winners coming your way tomorrow for the NFL. Last week, we were on fire. Of course, missed uh, the Cowboys game. I thought that one would be much more competitive, but give the Cowboys credit, and they get it done. But we'll see this week, of course, they've got another big one on tap. We'll talk about that. Jamal Bramble, Chargers should have fired Staley on the plane ride back from Jacksonville. Yeah, that would have been great, uh, but unfortunately it did not happen. I want to let you know before we go to break, there is a story brewing now. Troy Vincent, uh, who may be the next uh, commissioner, we don't know, but uh, he says that the NFL's officiating is a, quote, work in progress, end quote, he said the NFL does hear the rampant complaints about its officiating and is trying to do something about it, but it won't apologize for correct calls, Commissioner Roger Goodell said Wednesday at an NFL owners meeting. He said, I think almost everybody's acknowledged that the officials are absolutely correct. That's about their job to call a foul. I think you know it and how difficult it is to do their job. Vice President of Football Operations, Troy Benson, again said we have to act responsibly when calls are missed because we want to give the game the allowance to be played on the field. The NFL has a weekly internal grading system for each crew. Boy, I'd love to see that one. And it has attempted to keep the same crews together on a consistent weekly basis this season. We're always looking to promote and improve officiating. It's a constant work in progress. We're not perfect. The concern is to make sure we're getting better. To that end, Alan, here's what bothers me about officiating. Uh, People are human. They're going to make mistakes. We get it. 
But what bothers me is when a guy goes down the middle of the field and a defensive back is draped all over him, I mean literally hugging him, all the way to the ground, and no flag is called. I know maybe the back judge doesn't get the call. Maybe he has a bad angle. The side judge maybe have a bad angle. Somebody else has an angle. Somebody needs to drop a flag and say, listen, oh, man, you didn't see it from where you were, but he tackled the guy. We need to get together on it, get the call right for the complexities of the game and to make sure that the correctness of the game is handled above all else. So a lot of complex things happening, and I know a lot of officials, well, it's not my call. I wasn't in an area. But if you see something so blatant, it's only incumbent upon you to go over and talk and say, listen, you know, just to get with you and let you know he tackled that guy. And it's going to look really bad on not only the video board, it's going to look bad in New York, it's going to look bad, we're going to get graded down if you don't get this right. He tackled him. So go ahead and drop that flag and let's go and get the 15 yard, whatever it may be. The key to me is I know certain officials have certain call areas, but you got to call the one you see and the one, if it's so egregious, you have to call it. But it's like, well, that's Tom's call in the back. He he didn't do it, so we're going to let it go. And I'm like, no, if you see it, it's it's almost like, okay, you know, you see somebody in a car accident and you see the car that did it and you see the license plate. Well, you know, there are four other people up there and they may have been able to see it with their phones. So I'm not going to report this because even though I got all the information, they were closer to the accident. So I'm just going to let it go. I mean, you know what I'm saying, Alan? That's a different story, but you're looking at it from a standpoint of get the call right because the eye in the sky is not going to lie. We know what's happening. It's going up there, and somebody needs to be up there and just buzz and overrule and say, listen, on an egregious penalty where it's totally missed on the field, some buzzer has to say, hey, uh, timeout for a complete review. Uh, that last play will be right back. I know it's going to lengthen the game, but if there's something that changes the course of the game and is so out of bounds in terms of the – it's just over the top. you got to stop the game. you got to get it right because how many people are affected not only financially, but some of these deals are just so bad. If it's close and the, and the defender gets there right at the time and you could have a judgment call, hey, I'm fine with that. But when a guy's draped around a guy and the ball isn't even there yet – and they're like, oh, no penalty, it's all good. You're like, wait a minute, what's going on? What do you think, Al? We've gotten spoiled. That's what I think. We've gotten spoiled. Nobody complained about this stuff before instant replay. It happened. You got mad about it. It happened. You got over it. Now you can't get over it because there's 40 different camera angles and, and six minutes between each replay that you got to wait and, and, and brew and think and think and think. And then you ask, how did he miss that? Well, he doesn't have the ability to slow time down. That's how he missed it. The game is fast. These are guys who are running four two four threes. They're They're massive uh, athletes. You're going to miss things. That like That's part of the game. And I'm a gambler. I hate that it happens too. But the calls that you do see, get those right. And I think that's where a lot of people are getting frustrated with is like it's it's the obvious calls, like the Tony offsides. Why do we have to wait to the eighth time that he did it for you to call it? Just call it. Right. But I also want to translate what Troy Vincent said, and I know a lot of people ain't going to believe me here, but that was definitely a tone of if you keep publicly criticizing these officials, you will get hit upside the head with the fine. The NFL is going to stop playing because every time you do it, it calls into question the integrity of the game, and that is one thing that they absolutely cannot lose is that public trust, or air quotes, trust, that the NFL is in an honest game, that they're doing their best to ensure that the game is played the right way. Because every time Andy Reid or Patrick Mahomes says something, you know, like it, it 
calls into question, is is this rigged? Is this rigged? So that was a, a subtle reminder that we are working, but if you keep it up, fines will be handed down and they will get heavy. Yeah, nothing rigged about the NFL. I mean, you got the Dolphins losing at home at Hard Rock to a team with a rookie quarterback. Nothing rigged there. And, of course, uh, Thanksgiving Day, Jordan Love, who couldn't miss on any pass he threw, goes to the, of course, MetLife to take on Tommy Cutlets and loses on Monday night. Shout out to my DeVitos. Yeah, to the DeVitos. Hey, 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 from the neighborhood. Anyway, before we go to break, the NFL considers a hip drop. Now, this is one that's going to be – Hard to do. The hip drop tackle, uh, they're calling it a gruesome play. So what happens is when the defender wraps around the waist, a lot of these guys are dropping down. And when they slide down the legs of a defend, of a uh, receiver, running back, quarterback, whatever, they're also you know turning, twisting, and all that. And they're sliding down to do that hip drop tackle, landing on people's legs, twisting ankles, all these type of things. Uh, Vincent called it a gruesome play. And now these guys going at this speed are now going to have to tackle around the hip. And if they drop down and slide down a player and it's considered a hip drop tackle, this could be a 15-yard penalty or more, uh, depending on what the egregiousness of the call is. So now you got to tackle a certain way even more. So uh, we know about the, of course, horse collar. Now it's a hip drop tackle. So I mean, they go. got it right with the horse collar. It, it's, a, it's an egregious tackle. You're, you're intentionally, your intent on that tackle is to hurt somebody. That's not a legitimate yeah. tackle. Now with the hip drop, I will say originally I was against it because I'm like, how else are we supposed – like, defenses have it hard. You have a really tiny target area already because if you hit them too high, it's a penalty. And then if it's the quarterback, if you go too low, it's a penalty. So it's like you, you can't you can't make these guys think because if you got to think in real time, you're going to make mistakes, right. and then that's going to lead to points. But um, Cam Newton made a good point on his uh, podcast about it that people don't get taught how to tackle properly. And right. um, and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to talk bad about uh, Cortland, but I was at the uh, Randolph making game and I was watching them warm up, and they they didn't even they weren't even stopping guys and showing them where to put their head on the right side of the tackle when they were tackling guys going through their warm ups. And I'm thinking to myself, that's how you get a neck injury, you know? But they're warming up like that. They're warming up improperly, and uh, you got to think from from the little league level all the way through, guys are not being taught the fundamentals anymore. And that's why we get things like the hip drop tackle. That's a common tackle in the NFL now. And that's why it's like, is it really uh, supposed to be that way? We didn't see a lot of that back in the day. But they got taught fundamentals back in the day. So. Right. Well, you could always do the Washington Commanders tackle. That's called the Olay tackle. <laughs> it means just get out of the way and let the guy run wild. Anyway, we're going to take a break. And we come back, uh, I want to hear from you all. Uh, 804-327-0888. Let's start this off. This segment next coming up will be called All I Want for Christmas Is. And, and what is it you want for your I team? I want winners. That's what I want, Mike Singletary. God, I love that guy. Anyway, I want – can I hear that one more time? That's all I want. I want winners. That's as good as it gets right there, folks. And that's what I want. We'll give you winners this weekend on our picks. But as far as your team, what do you want for Christmas for your team? 804 327 you're up next. We'll be right back on this Thursday morning.
Welcome back. On this Thursday, December 14th, phone lines are open. And I want to know what you want for Christmas in regards to your sports team or teams, wherever it may be. I'm going to start it off and hand it off to Alan. All I want for Christmas in regard to my football team, like the horse with no name, the team with no name, the team that now has a name, but the name could be changed to protect the innocent. Who knows what's happening with my team? I want a new coach. I want a new offensive coordinator. Why don't you ask for something that you you don't think you'll get? Yeah, well, once again, I have to have a new coach. <laughs> I have to have a new offensive they're coordinator. They're going to fire him. You guys okay. can't possibly think they're going to bring him back. There's no way. Let me tell you something, and I will say this right now. If Josh Harris in this group don't dump this guy, I will never utter their name again. I don't want to cover them again. I'm going to leave it up to you to do. I'm over it. I, I can't take it anymore. I literally can't take this Magic anymore. Johnson's name is attached to this. You guys can rest assured he does not want to be attached to a losing franchise. Right. So maybe Magic should get the headset on because I believe in him more than I do Ron Rivera at this point. Here we go. So I want a new coach. I want a new offensive coordinator. I need an offensive line, folks. That's what I've been begging for. Give me an offensive line. Let them build within. And all these guys out there, and nothing against Terry McLaurin, a fine receiver, maybe a very nice guy. I've heard nothing but great things about him. But, folks, does Terry McLaurin strike fear in your heart as an opposing defense? I mean, come on, let's be honest about it. I'm just saying pure honesty. Do you go to a game saying, hey, man, they got Terry McLaurin. I don't know if we can do it this weekend. This guy is that good. Yes, he's serviceable. Yes, he can come up with an occasional big play. Yes, I like him. But he's not that guy that can take the top off a of defense. He's not that guy that's going to just kill opposing defenses. He's a guy that can help a team with other players around him. Right now, they need to get those other players around him. So right now, that's it. New defensive coordinator, new offensive coordinator, new head coach, offensive line some more defensive line, and some defensive backs. That's all I want for Christmas in relation to my team, the team that has changed its name multiple times. Alan, what do you want for Christmas for your team? I just want my team to stay healthy. Um, but before we get to that, I got to challenge you on this, man. You, you, you've been slandering Terry McLaurin. Uh, matter of fact, you and Al oh. did that a little bit. Let, uh, he is the DeAndre Hopkins of his era, like his generation. Alan, come he's on never now. had a Alan. good quarterback. The guy's Alan. had he's been in the league for five years. He's had terrible quarterbacks, and in three of those years, he's eclipsed over a thousand yards. Even his rookie season, he had nine hundred and nineteen. What more do you want from the guy? Like he needs help. He's a good receiver. Terry McLaurin is a wide receiver one on just about 85% of the league. You have a team that has a wide receiver one, and you're upset because his quarterbacks and the coaching and all this other nonsense is affecting his stats. Like, I don't get it. Put him on any other team, and he's he's going to stand out. Like, yeah, he doesn't strike fear in people's hearts because he's got Sam Howell. He's got Jacoby Brissett on the bench. Who did he have last year? Carson Wentz, man. Like, what are we talking about? Okay, maybe you're right that if he went to an offense that had a quarterback in a line, maybe it would be light years different than it is now. I'm just saying as I see him now, serviceable, occasional big play, 
doesn't strike the fear in anybody's heart. I don't count him as a number one guy that says, hey, this guy can't miss. Hey, this guy scares him. Just the guy that kind of blends in the forest a lot of times. Yeah, he's productive, but I don't know. And maybe you're, maybe you're right. Maybe with a different setting, he'd be a much better player because when I said, well, look what's happening with Devontae Adams. I mean, he, he didn't do anything the other yeah, night. You zero, would, you zero. You would think he was terrible, but he doesn't but, have any But problems. who was that you mentioned in Terry McCorn? You compared him to who? Was De- that? DeAndre Hawkins. You, you got to be kidding me, He's, man. It's the same scenario. He's a talented receiver stuck with nothing at Let quarterback me see for Sweet years. Lou. Ask Sweet Lou to put his face into he, the he, actual. He took a walk. He, he was he upset. A, he was probably upset. heard you mention that, and that's why he <laughs> took a walk. I, I got to be honest with you. I know you're not a drug user. I understand that. But I don't know what's in that cup of coffee for you to make a statement like that. You're comparing Terry McLaurin to DeAndre. You're, t- you're, you're talking two light years away, guys. If Alan, and I promise you this, and, I, and, I, and I'll ask the callers to call in and, and tell me I'm wrong or you're right. If you're sitting here in any draft room in America, in any player personnel meeting in America, and all I did was coach, so I don't know much, but if I sit here and I'm saying to myself, I want D-Hop or I want Terry McLaurin, let me see. Let me let me take a long time to get back. D-Hop is the answer you're going to get. This guy's a baller. This guy's a difference maker on every Sunday, potentially. This guy is. Terry McLaurin, a very solid guy. But this guy ain't D-Hop. Let's be honest. Come on, man. Take that back, when, please. When D-Hop when had a quarterback that couldn't throw the ball down the field consistently, his stats were terrible. I'm just I'm just telling you. But when he had a, a, any any warm body that was able to get him the ball consistently, he's well over 1,000 yards every year. But, I mean, to to think that quarterback play doesn't affect receiver play is, is a little— I didn't say that. I know, but I'm just saying. I'm, say I'm giving Terry a, a pass— because he's never had a quarterback, and he's still serviceable. He's still good. He's still a wide receiver one. I don't understand. I, I just don't look think at that's Jamal. Fair. Look at Jamal, and Jamal gets it. I'm siding with me. The sports game, of course, McLaurin couldn't hold Nuke's gloves. Got it. He's he's a Clemson guy and all that stuff. He's got his he's got his reasons for supporting anything from South Carolina. So I'm not listening to no, Jamal. No, no, listen. Here's the thing. <laughs> Remember the game against the Packers where he went up and as an Arizona Cardinal and three four deep guys yeah, guarding I'm, him. He, he gets the ball. He he makes plays. McLaurin doesn't always make the greatest plays. He makes plays, but here's the other thing, folks. Zero receptions last week, three attempts in terms of passes to the guy. If I'm that guy, and I'm not saying he needs to be a diva, but you go in the huddle and say, man, look, I, I got to get the ball. You know, I, I'm the guy that stirs a drink here. I'm that number one guy. I'm the guy that's going to make plays. And even though Art Monk didn't do that, or Ricky Sanders didn't do that, they got their tails open and they made the plays and they say, "Hey, look, you know, check me out. I'm wide open and I'm going to get it done." McLaurin, I, I just don't get that. Very nice guy, very nice guy, but no way, no way. Uh, Ralph Faulkner, he got his cardio at least. Yep, I mean, and Ralph, what's your call there as far as the situation? Do you take DeAndre Hopkins or McLaurin? McLaurin, and folks, please. Uh, no hate mail here. I like the guy. Nice guy. He is a performer. He can make big plays. He is a guy that can get it done, but he's no DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, let's be honest with you, man. And Sam Howell's no Brandon Hoyer, I guess. 
<laughs> Brian Hoyer, sorry. Brian Hoyer, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Used to be Brandon or, or, Hoyer. Or Matt Schwab or whoever. I can't even remember. He's had some, DeAndre's had some really bad quarterbacks. Absolutely. But, you know, folks, here's the deal. And I always said this, you know, when I coach, the same thing applies. Uh, it's not always X's and O's. It is more over Johnny's and Joe's. If you have the players that can play and make plays, I remember when I first started coaching the very first year in some of the early practices, and I had a friend of mine that came and helped me. He was an NFL guy, and he would take me aside, and he covered his mouth, and he'd say, Coach, these guys, some of them couldn't play dead in a Western, and to which I laughed hysterically, one of the great quotes of all time. And because sometimes these guys couldn't play dead in the Western, they're that bad. Uh, you know, uh, as Ralph Faulkner says, he's – McLaurin, a great character guy and leader for that team. Well, you know, I've got an uncle that's a great character guy as well, but he's not going to catch any balls either. So the deal is this. There's something to be said for character. Obviously, we know that. Morals, all those things. Those are great things. But on Sunday, you want a guy that delivers the goods. And Hopkins is that guy. I I want winners. I absolutely want winners. And... As Mike Singletary said in that rant to the 49ers, if I've got to be penalized and play with 10, I want to play with 10 guys that can go down the field and get it done versus one that may not be all in. I'm not saying McCormick's not all in, but some guys just blend into the force and don't perform when they have to perform. And that drives me crazy. Guys that deliver week after week and say what you want about a Travis Kelsey, and there are games where he doesn't have his top performances, but he's a guy... Look at that love right there from Mr. Notre Dame. Yes, Ralph, I always deliver much like FedEx. I do agree that you have to have the a guy that has high morals, a guy that is a team leader, and McLaurin is all of that. Great community guy. But that takes a back seat to me to a guy that performs in his stock and trade, and that's catching the football. And Faulkner will agree with me on this. Art Monk, Gary Clark, Ricky Sanders, guys that played injured, through injuries, were all dinged up, but showed up on Sunday. Every Sunday, these guys performed, man. They performed and performed and performed. You never had to doubt it. They were tough. And guess what else they did that these guys today don't do as much? They blocked downfield. Art Monk, Gary Clark, Ricky Sanders, their asses were downfield throwing key blocks for touchdowns. And I'm sitting there applauding. I, I can't believe not only did they make a block at the line, they follow the play down the field and actually are engaged. Like this guy who I really liked initially, Pickens from Pittsburgh. Are you kidding me? I, I'm not kidding you, Alan. He stands there on a play that's going opposite side. He takes two steps and looks around. Doesn't even touch the opposition. I would be apoplectic as a coach if somebody said... Apoplectic? Wow. Yeah, Google that real quick. I mean... Yeah, I would be out of my mind. I would sit there and I would say, somebody, Coach, I want you to see this real quick. And they bring over the the uh, the iPad. Uh, what are those things called now? The Surface things. They have. I'm going to tell you right now, if you say apoplectic to, to Pickens, he definitely ain't going to get it. Well, that's what I'm saying. I would say something else to Pickett that he wouldn't like either. I would say, you know, uh, go over and start picking the splinters out of your ass because you're going to be on the bench. Because bottom line is this, I owe it to the fans of whatever team I'm coaching. If you're giving that effort and somebody can actually see it, you're not playing for me. I love Pickens. And here's the thing about it. I'd have that one-on-one in my office. I'd put the video up behind me. I'd say, let's watch something for a second. 
You see that? Look at that effort there. Are you blankety blank kidding me? You got a all the black and gold in this stadium supporting you, paying hard-earned money, the fans of this team, this organization, the people paying your salaries, and you're coming off the line like a marshmallow? You've got to be – oh, don't, don't get me going. My blood pressure is going right now, I'm telling you. But I would say to him, if I ever – if I ever see you give that effort, contract over. You're gone. You won't be here. And I'm going to give a guy a second chance, but I'm going to say, listen, my man, you're better than that. You're a great receiver with the ball in your hands, but guess what? There's some plays in this game where the ball ain't in your hands, and guess what you have to do? You have to block for your teammates. You have to follow the play downfield because if there's a fumble, you may recover it. Just because you're not the focal point on this play doesn't mean you can't be vital to a play. What if he goes down the field 25, 30 yards and blocks or throws that key block to spring the running back? You see it all the time for guys that are team players, and that's what you have to be, a team player. This is a team game. This is not golf. This is not tennis. You have to be a team guy. But when I see somebody stand on the line with their arms in the air and looking at this, you know, up in the, oh, that wasn't for me, so I'm not going to do anything. I'm no effort given over here. My blood is boiling right now. Mike Tomlin, who I know is one of the great coaches, I know had to have said something to him. But I will say this. Do you like your career in the NFL? Do you like all the trappings, the money, the cars, everything that comes with it? Absolutely, Coach. I love it all. Well, guess what? You ain't going to get it from here anymore if you do that again, ever Ever. I don't ask much from you, but the one thing I'm going to ask is 100% effort 100% of the time you're on that field because that's your signature, Alan, just like you. Look at Mark Perry. I'm telling you right now, I don't care what wait, it is, wait, wait, what wait, career wait, you coach, have. Coach, Coach, what did I do? I'm, I'm, just, nah, I'm just here, I'm man. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm all fired up because here's Probably the deal. Coming to watch yeah, I wish you no, would. But, I, but I'm, I'm sick and tired of guys that are getting paid. Sorry for the pun. King's Ransom that I'm not getting paid, but anyway, that don't give everything to their craft. It drives me crazy. Okay, the truck driver out there today driving cross-country, well, you know what, he wants to sleep for three days and then pick it up. Uh, the police officer, the the lawyer, the doctor, well, the doctor goes in for surgery this morning, and, well, you know what, I'm going to just roll it in there. I probably won't give Mrs. O'Leary the best surgery today because I just kind of – I didn't have a good night, and uh, the wife yelled at me, so I'm going to just kind of roll it in there and hope she does well. That's not what you do. You give your best. It's your signature, man. Come on, man. All you want for Christmas is hustle. I I want people to care, Alan. Do you care? That's what I'm saying. I'm getting paid millions of dollars. I'm getting adulation. I'm getting love from the fans, and all the hell I want is for you to care enough to do what you're supposed to do. Wear that jersey with pride. Show some pride and give maximum effort. You may not be the greatest player in the world, but a guy like Ralph Faulkner just now, you saw a guy that always gave his best. And certain players in high school, college, whatever level you played, if you gave your best hats off to you, that's all you can do. Maximize what you do. And then you got guys at home that wish they had Pickens' ability that said, man, if I would have had that guy's ability, I would have done this, that, and the other. I would have given everything I had. But that's all I'm saying, man. Give everything you have. All I ask is give all you have all the time when you're between the lines. When you get off the field, if that's what you want to do in practice, lollygag and all that, that's on you. That's not going to fly either, but that's on you. But when you step in that field in front of those fans on a national television deal and you step off a line and don't touch the opposition because you're not getting the ball, that makes me sick. And that guy's not playing for me. Ralph Faulkner.
All he wants for Christmas is the Redskins' name back. Your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to say about that. Uh, just because I feel like it's not really my place to to have an opinion on it because it doesn't affect me one way or another. I understand the fans' perspective. I understand uh, the Native Americans who who don't want that name. I kind of understand their perspective as well. So I'm I'm always politically correct on that. I stay okay. out of it. Well, see, Ralph Faulkner, let me tell you about this guy. This was a, one of the biggest football fans of all time. And then what happened in Jamal wants Jamal, the Jags we want, in the Super we want Bowl. Christmas, Christmas, not miracles, Christmas gifts, not okay. miracles. Well, that could happen anyway. Uh so Ralph, getting back to him, the biggest Redskins fan of all time. And then when they changed the name and nobody, everybody was kneeling and they were doing things that he didn't like about it, he turned it off and he's never come back. Certain people just said, I'm done with it. And Ralph, I always tease him, come on back, Ralph, come on back. He loves the game, and for him not to watch his favorite sport is sad. We do have to break. You got me fired up here. Do you care enough to push the right button? Do you care enough to come back after the break? Enjoy this because I'd love to hear from you. Your thoughts on Pickens and the lack of effort, the lack of intensity, the lack of giving the black and gold fans what they deserve. That Steeler City is made up of those people that give everything they have. It can't be going down well. We'll be right back on the Sports King Show Thursday morning. A-P-O-P-L-E-C-T-I-C, meaning overcome with anger, just so you know. Overcome with anger. That's what I was. And my grandfather, credit to him, he said, Learn a new word every day, and I try to do that. Do That's you at least thirty points on Scrabble. So congratulations. <laughs> there you go. Do you remember the name Bum Phillips? I think so. It sounds familiar. Okay, his name was O. A. Bum Phillips. Uh, he was a country guy, coach of the Houston Oilers. Love you, Blue. He had a saying to his teammates, uh, the team that he coached, and all the players, and he would always tell them this. Give me everything you have in five more words. You know what the five words were? What were they? Give me everything you have and a little bit more. Bum Phillips would be rolling over in his grave if he saw George Pickens play. That's all we're asking. Just a little bit more. Speaking of which, tonight the NFL is on Prime. Do not miss it as uh, there is a game between the Raiders and the Chargers from Allegiant Stadium tonight. Las Vegas favored by three. They should win at 815 Prime Video. And that's going to wrap up this Thursday edition. We'll be back tomorrow to give you all the winners that you want. Thank you to all the folks chiming in today. We appreciate you. We love you. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas to all of you. Big Al up next. Sports phone. Have a great Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow. With 19 NCAA.